again, if you got your Bibles, John 14 and Acts chapter 16. Um, question today as we get started, have you ever been in a situation uh, where you realized there was more going on than you originally knew? Let me ask that again. You ever been in a situation where you realized there was more going on than you originally knew? Sometimes that can certainly happen at work. Uh, you've got your little area that you're focused on, but then you look beyond and you can see there's a whole lot more taking place. Sometimes uh, it can be in a situation with family where you knew a piece of the story and as time goes on, you unravel and reveal a whole other side of things that you didn't even know existed. Sometimes it can be sharing your faith. The Lord has called you to share your faith in one portion of a person's journey, and then there's something so much bigger uh, on the other side of things. Uh, and then sometimes it's just life in general. Sometimes it's stuff's going on around you, and you see your little segment, but had no idea that God was up to something so much bigger on the other side. Um, had a situation uh, back when I was growing up, the very first mission trip I ever went on, first overseas mission trip, uh, was with my mom to Romania. We were leaving Lubbock, Texas, and uh, on the flight from Lubbock to uh, on the flight from Lubbock to Romania, you had three stops, or excuse me, four stops. We did Lubbock to Dallas. Dallas to Atlanta, and then Atlanta over to uh, to uh, uh, London, and then London down uh, to Romania, to Iradia in Romania. And so I'll never forget, we're kind of getting the getting stuff together, but the first leg of the journey was very important to me because there was a girl that I was kind of trying to date in Atlanta, and so we had scheduled a chance. This is back when you used to just hang out at the airport uh, before 9-11 when you could just go hang out at like a bus station. And uh, I'll never forget, we get this uh, ticket but I'm going to get a three-hour layover in Atlanta to hang out with this girl and maybe get to see if she'll be my girlfriend. And so I remember we get on the flight from Lubbock to Dallas. I'm sitting next to the wing. My mom is on the aisle side. I'm on the, uh, the wing side. And all of a sudden, the wing is right here next to me. All of a sudden, we hear a pop. And the wing has a whole bunch of black smoke that's coming out the side of the wing. I mean, just about that time, all of a sudden, we hear in the calmest voice I've ever heard, the pilot of the plane gets on and goes, uh, this is your captain speaking. Um, we're going to make a little detour today, and we're going to be landing in Wichita Falls, Texas. And so Wichita Falls is about an hour and a half, two-hour drive from the Dallas area, and all of a sudden, we're going to land in Wichita Falls. And all I can think of at the time is, but what about my girlfriend, right? But what about this girl that I'm trying to date? A two-hour drive in from Wichita Falls, the layover's going to ruin everything. It could ruin the mission trip. And I'm telling you, I don't think to myself, there is black smoke coming out of the engine right over here. We should probably do this, right? So again, we're landing. My mom looks over and she goes, oh, that's really strange. I've never had this happen before. Well, then when we're coming in, I mean, the plane is wobbly onto one side. And as the plane comes in, we slam down on the runway. But I mean, it is like sideways. And then we slam down because you're, you're one engine short. And so we slam down, land on the runway. And this is back pre-9-11. And so they, that was back. I mean, I can still remember when I was a kid, you could could like go into the cockpit as a kid. You know what I mean? I still remember a pilot handing me a pair of wings like while he was flying the plane. You know what I mean? It's just, it was a different time back then. And so the doors weren't as secure. And when they slam down, all of a sudden the doorway to the cockpit swings open and we see the pilots hugging as we land. 
I mean, all of a sudden at that point, it was like, this might have been a dire circumstance, right? But all I can think of is that I'm going to miss out on hanging out with the girl in Atlanta. They put us on a bus and drove us two hours on a bus to Dallas, and we later would find out the plane was destroyed basically beyond repair. I mean, the Lord was doing a lot of things in that circumstance, and for some reason, he really did not want me hanging out with that girl very long in Atlanta, all right? Tell you that story to say this. The way that it works, God sees everything. God knows everything. In this side of heaven, I can't tell you why. The engine caught on fire, and we were delayed in going into Atlanta that day. I still made it on the mission trip to Romania. I can't tell you why the Lord caused that delay. And yet, he knows all things, and it wasn't just about me trying to get there for my appointment. I want to read you something. God has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us through these decisions that we have to make, through seeking what the Lord wants us to do, wisdom and direction from him. He's given us his word to show us what sin is and what we should avoid and truly what we should always be doing. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reveals God's plan to us. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit to lead you and direct you. Jesus introduces the Spirit in John 14. Look with me, if you will, at John 14, verses 15 through 17. It says this, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, look at this, and he will give you another counselor. Underline and highlight that word counselor and notice that it's capitalized. This is not just a friend that God gives you. This is not just a wise voice or wise counsel. He gives you the counselor, the Holy Spirit. Look at this, to be with you forever. The spirit of the truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. It's a beautiful picture here of how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit offers us wisdom and direction through nudges to your spirit. Not again to tell you what's right and wrong, but to show you where to go and what to do. God's word tells us right and wrong. The spirit leads us and nudges us to where we are supposed to go. And notice it says, Jesus says, and the world's not going to get it. The world's not going to fully understand it. Why? Because he lives in you. The Holy Spirit is speaking specifically to your life and your circumstances, and you will know how to take the things that he says to you. I want to give you a little insight into the way DC works. Uh, whenever you meet someone for the first time, there are typically three questions that you ask. What's your name? Where are you from? And then where are you from then dictates where it is that you go from there. Okay, but there's a third question that's added to it. If you are one of the 25% of the people here in Navy Yard that we usually talk to that say, I'm from Washington, D.C., then the third question is open to a whole bunch of cool stuff here in the city. But if your answer is, my name is Zach Randalls, I'm from Lubbock, Texas originally, then the next question that's always asked is, so what brought you to D.C.? All right? Now, some of you are sitting there going, that's brilliant. I need to write those down. All right? That's just the way it works out here. Those are for free, all right? When my situation comes up, Zach Randall's, Lubbock, Texas, and they go, oh, what brought you to D.C.? Whether they are a Christian or not, and how devout they are in their faith determines the response to the next question. So what brought you to D.C.? And I go, well, we started a church in Navy Yard. 
if you are somebody who's a believer in Jesus Christ, who's been studying scripture your whole life, you usually come in and go, oh, that's crazy. Tell me the story of how that unfolded. How did that work? And again, it's a spiritually edifying conversation. If you're a little bit on the fence or newer to the faith, you just kind of go, all right, is this dude normal or is he crazy, right? And then if you are someone who's not a believer in Jesus Christ and you hear that someone moved here to plant the church, they scratch their head and 90% of the time they go, nice to meet you, dude. I'm out of here, all right? They seek a reason to leave the conversation. When it comes to Holy Spirit, you don't, or you need to know, Jesus says, don't feel like the world will understand exactly what the Spirit is saying to you. Even other believers are going to struggle sometimes with the things that the Holy Spirit has told you specifically to do, but to you, they are undeniable. If you're taking notes, write this down. The voice of the Holy Spirit is not limited by your leader or your location. He lives in you. Let me say that again. The voice of the Holy Spirit is not limited by your leader or your location. He lives in you. The Spirit speaks specifically to your heart. In fact, it says in another passage of Scripture, with groans that are heavenly groans that the Father can understand, He speaks to us uh, again in this powerful way, and it's not limited on whether or not I'm your pastor or not. I truly do pray that God would give me 30 years to pastor here. But whoever the pastor is of Waterfront Church, at some point, The Lord speaks to you specifically, individually. It doesn't matter who your leader is. It doesn't matter if it's at Waterfront Church or if you're on the road somewhere or you're one of our our people that are watching online. The Holy Spirit can speak to you anytime, any place, through anyone, no matter who it is that's in charge. Jesus says it'll be tough because the world doesn't accept him or see him, but you know him and he's in you and undeniable. So it begs the big million dollar question today. What are the directions that are given to us by the Holy Spirit? In leading into the discussion as we go through this today, as we go through the sermon, it's been my prayer that the Holy Spirit would stir in your hearts, or maybe for some of you the Spirit's already been stirring, and that you would know what to do, how to act after uh, this sermon today. So again, our big question, what are the directions given to us by the Holy Spirit? This is not going to be revolutionary, but maybe it will be something that spurs you and calls you to action. Now flip over to Acts 16. And let's look at verses 6 and 7. Here's what it says. By the way, Acts 16, we have this beautiful calling of Timothy as a disciple, uh, him coming with Paul and Silas on their missionary journey. In verse 11, we get this amazing story of Lydia and her conversion in Philippi. And then right in between, we've got this really crazy passage uh, that is just a, it's a bridge between the two, but a really, really influential passage for how we know what it is that God's calling us to do. If you are here today seeking the Lord's wisdom and direction, this will be a roadmap in how to get there today. Are you ready? Starting in verse 6, it says, So Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now look at this. This is crazy. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit, underline kept by the Holy Spirit, from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter uh, to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, underline the Spirit of Jesus, would not allow them to do so. Now stop right there for just a minute. Is it wrong to preach the gospel in the continent of Asia? Absolutely not. It is, compl- it is incredibly right to preach the gospel in Asia. There is no sin in preaching the gospel in Asia. There's some great churches that have been pastored and planted there. So why in the world does it say here that the Spirit stopped Paul from going into Asia to preach the 
the gospel because for him, he was called to the continent of Europe during this time to do the initial vision, to strengthen the churches that had been planted more than a decade before. If you're taking notes, write this down. What are the directions given to us by the Holy Spirit? Number one, and it's the hardest direction given for people like us in this city that are so driven and so ambitious and we want to do, do, do. Are you ready? Number one is to wait. So many times the Holy Spirit will say to wait. I like that laughter because that's exactly how I feel about it. When the Spirit calls you to wait, it's frustrating because you want to go. You want to know what to do. And yet, that's one of the most powerful things that God can tell you to do. So much so, catch this. It says the Holy Spirit says don't go into Asia. And then it says the Spirit of Jesus himself says not to go into Bithynia. At the end of the passage, this is crazy too. For any of you who've studied the Trinity before, it actually talks and uses another word for the Godhead at the end of this passage. We get Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all right here in one verse. By the way, a little short lesson on the Trinity. It's God three in one, but I've always tried to view it this way. God has these different attributes, and it's three in one. Ezekiel describes it as like a wheel within a wheel that's in the sky, the wheel within a wheel that's working together, and yet all all the, and it, uh, all the same and yet all different at the same time. The way the Trinity works, the Holy Spirit is the mouth and the breath of God. It's the message that comes to us from the Almighty. Jesus is the hands and feet of Almighty God. Again, a God with skin on, basically. And then the Father is the mind and the soul of Almighty God, the true core. Again, the being that created the universe. When we see this, it says both the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus both separately come in and say, don't do this good thing. They call them to wait. They say specifically, this is not for you. You ever had a really good idea, but you knew you weren't supposed to do it yourself? It's a frustrating thing, isn't it? When it comes to something spiritual that you truly go, man, this would be awesome, this could be big, this could be something that's earth-changing, that's world-shaking, and yet you know in your heart of hearts it's not you that's supposed to take the step forward and do it. Or maybe we'll go a little bit worldlier on this. You ever had a promotion come up in your office at work and someone is gonna get the promotion and you are the one in line to get it, but... You can feel in your heart of hearts that it's supposed to go to somebody else. Can I tell you one of the big struggles in this city? You all of a sudden start to view your legacy, your career path, and you sit there and you go, I know I'm not supposed to have that job. I know that I would hate it even. I even know that it would cause me all kinds of trouble and take up all kinds of time. But you sit there and you go, but if I don't get this promotion, they're going to think that I wasn't good enough. If I don't get this promotion, people are going to ask questions. If I don't get this promotion, what if I end up not liking the new boss that they put over me? And all of a sudden, we start to think it through through that lens rather than what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, that we need to wait, that we need to relax because God has something else on the horizon. When you don't wait and you force yourself on a good situation, listen to me, you are stealing someone else's blessing. You are robbing them of the good that waits for them and... You are plugging up the line because God has something better for you that's on the horizon that he made you for your life's purpose. When the Spirit says wait, it's a powerful word, and God is not mad at you when he says to wait. If you're taking notes, write this down. 
Boundaries and holding patterns from the Holy Spirit are not judgment, not judgment on you or disappointment in you. He's setting something up. Let me say that again. Boundaries and holding patterns from the Holy Spirit are not judgment on you or disappointment in you. He's setting something up. When the Spirit says wait, sometimes you can think that it's because you weren't good enough that the Lord didn't give you that blessing right here and right now. If he says wait, there is something very specific he has for you. And listen, there is someone very specific he has that blessing waiting for. The idea of waiting is tough. I tried to think of an example that would kind of stick with you on this one, and the one that came up was like a child at Christmas, okay? You ever watch a child, two, three years old, that you're teaching about Christmas for the very first time? And then what do you do? You very cruelly put a whole bunch of presents in a room for weeks at a time, and that child has to look at it and go, there's a present there, some of them are mine, some of them are not, and I have to wait for weeks before I can open them. The idea is teaching the child not all blessing is for you, sometimes the greatest blessing is in what we can give to others, right? And at the same time, we wait, we, uh, we, uh, we hold back in self-control, and it causes Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, depending on whenever you unwrap presents, right? It causes that moment to be extra special when we wait on that time. We wait on the timing to be just right. This is not for you. We are going to wait, and when the timing is right, it is going to be a very, very blessed day. This week, if you hear my voice a little bit scratchy, um, my wife and I went to the beach, had a great time, and we drove up north, and uh, on our drive up north, we drove past New York City. Now, there's two different types of people. There's city people, and then there's, there's, there's rural people, all right, where, where, where for you to relax, you go to a, an outside space, and you just kind of get alone. I, 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 my family is like that. For me, I just get, just again, filled just with excitement whenever I drive past the city. And so we did some rural time, and it was so great being at the beach, but I got some sand on my throat, and so I'm a little bit scratchy. And we drove past New York, and uh, we got redirected by the GPS to drive past uh, on the far side. Of, I think it's called Fort. Is it Triton? Tri, uh, Trigon? Something. Anyway, on the on the side of New York, this beautiful park, and we're driving through, and you can tell that I'm a total pastor and church planter because as we're driving through on that side, we pass the tire shop. I love tire shops. We pass the tire shop, and our daughter Lulu looks at it and goes, "Dad, that could be a church here in New York." Again, that's how you know we, we've raised our kids that way, and so we we really do live this. So we drive back. She goes, "Dad, that could be a church," and all of a sudden in my head, I'm like, "That could be a church," and I'm looking around and I'm seeing the buildings and I'm telling you I go places like this and I just I just can see it I just can sense it and I'm telling you I'm watching that and very rarely if ever has there been a moment in my career where I'm like man it would be awesome to go pastor that pre-existing church for me it's always just like man we could start a church here God could do something new this could be so special this could reach new people and I'm telling you it starts to stir within me and Autumn looks at me and she goes that's not for you Zach and I'm like okay I get it I get it wasn't her saying she was saying exactly what I felt in my spirit someone for someone I feel like New York City could be right for the harvest that the Lord could be calling someone even that area that we went by you could see that a church could thrive in that location I could feel it in my spirit and yet I also could feel the Holy Spirit saying but not for you this is for someone else to do keep your hand to the plow in the work that God has set before you if you don't believe me save your spot in Acts 16 and now flip over to Acts chapter 1 one of the last things that Jesus says before he ascends to heaven is he gives the command to wait. Look at what it says here. Acts chapter 1, verses 4, verse 4 through 8. 
It says, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Underline, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Underline, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized, what? With the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is worth waiting for. The Holy Spirit is worth waiting for. It says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power, what? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So many times we focus on this as the Great Commission, and rightfully so, but he's also laying out the nuts and bolts for how every believer should listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It starts with us waiting in anticipation for the Spirit to speak. And when God doesn't speak to you in an instant, it doesn't mean he's mad at you. It means the timing's not right. So we wait. He says, and if you'll be patient, if you'll wait, if you'll show the faith that it takes to wait, you will receive power. And then you're going to be my witnesses. And God's going to take some of you to Jerusalem. He's going to take some of you to Judea. He's going to take some of you to Samaria. And he's going to take some of you places that you've never even heard of with the gospel message. It begs the question, is God calling you to hold your position? Is God calling you to hold your position? For some of you today, that may be the whole reason you walk through the door because you have this stirring that's not of the Holy Spirit, of this discontent, of this frustration, of this idea that you should have moved up by now, but you haven't, that you should have a phase of life taken care of, that you should be married right now, but you're not, that you should be making more money, but you're, but you're not, that you should be living in a bigger house, that you should be driving a different car, that you should have a family situation taken care of. And I'm telling you, it stirs, but there's discontentment, and then there's the Holy Spirit's word of just wait. Just wait. You will receive power when the Spirit gives you that direction. But right now, I need you to stand packed. It's the Lord calling you to hold your position today. Now flip back over to Acts 16, and let's read verses 8 and 9. It says, So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. It says, look at this, During the night... Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now stop right there for just a minute. Paul has a vision slash dream while he's trying to figure out what the Lord has called him to do. But it's not just any vision slash dream. It is the Holy Spirit speaking directly to him. If you're taking notes, what are the directions that are given to us by the Holy Spirit? Number one is wait, and number two is listen. Number two is listen. Remember, when it comes to a word from God, a vision from the Holy Spirit, a dream that you have, remember, it's not meant to be like a full-on roadmap telling you every twist and turn. It's meant to be a nudge in the right direction because it's spoken specifically to you. You can talk to my wife, Autumn, and she'll tell you, in being called to plant Waterfront Church, I got the vision. She was the partner in the deal. And so for her, she came about this journey in a very different way because God had given me the clear picture of where we were going. And for her, she had to listen, she had to watch me, and then she had to make the decision on if she could take the step of faith or if she was not going to be able to do so. 
The Spirit speaks, and we are called to listen. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. Are you ready? Sometimes a dream is just a dream, and a chance meeting is just a chance meeting. But when there is something more to it, the Spirit lets you know. Let me say that again. Sometimes a dream is just a dream, and a chance meeting is just a chance meeting. But when there's something more to it, the Spirit lets you know. It's a great example of this, by the way, and it's a movie called Field of Dreams. Hollywood did a great job trying to figure out how to explain the Holy Spirit through a movie about baseball and cornfields, all right? If you've ever gotten to see Field of Dreams, one of my favorites, do you remember Kevin Costner trying to figure out what to do with his life? He went to UC Berkeley, but all of a sudden he's, he's, uh, he's running a farm out in Iowa, and do you remember he's got this dichotomy of the education that he has, but again, his wife's from this area, he's trying to figure out what to do, he's dealing with the death of his father, I highly identified with the character in that movie, and do you remember Remember, all of a sudden he's out in the cornfield one day, he's in his holding pattern, he's waiting, and what happens? The whisper, if you build it, he will come. Now here's what's crazy about that. He's turning around going, I just heard a voice in the cornfield. And do you remember the first time it's repeated, if you build it, he will come symbolic for that character that's Hollywood's way of saying. He can't deny that the wording had taken place and that this is what he was supposed to do. Well, here's the deal, is if you build it, he will come, a roadmap of exactly what he's supposed to do? No, but when he runs it through the grid of his own heart and his own life, that's when his wife looks at him and says, what do you think it means? And he goes, I think I'm supposed to to tear down the cornfield, build a baseball field, and Shoeless Joe Jackson is going to come and play baseball here. Now, here's the picture in that crazy little movie. He knew specifically what to do, but the Spirit nudges in just the right way to get him individually started on that journey so that he knows what to do and where to go. If you're taking notes, just a little word here for you. The Spirit speaks through words, through dreams, through concepts, through images, through meetings, through conversations. And sometimes those things are just those things. But when it's from the Spirit, you feel it in your gut that this is something important, that this was something for you. You don't have to flip there, but in 1 Kings chapter 19, you remember the story of Elijah after he's called down fire from Mount Carmel? Do you remember the beautiful story? Fires come down from Mount Carmel, and then Elijah goes on the run. He's so scared that Ahab's going to chase after him, and he's going to kill him, and he goes to God and says, God, I need to hear from you. I need a word from you. And then all of a sudden, it says that there's this great fire that rises up, but the Lord was not in the fire. This great earthquake rises up, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. It says a great wind tore the rocks apart before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then it says, and then there was a gentle whisper, and Elijah went to the mouth of the cave, for he had heard the voice of God. Notice this, wind, fire, earthquake, and all those things to Elijah were just coincidence. But the gentle whisper that was of the four things, the one that he knew was truly God speaking to him. That's the way the Spirit works. For some, it's dreams. For some, it's a word. For some, it's a vision. For some, it's a conversation. For some, it's a chance meeting. But listen to me. At different points in your walk with God, he may speak to you all four, five, six different ways. He may speak in a way that I never even spoke to you about today. But when the Spirit speaks, you know it's from him, and you know you're supposed to be different after Silly story, but I hope it sticks with you. You've heard it before, but it's worth telling. When I asked my wife out on our first date, that for me was a moment moved by the Holy Spirit. We were sitting at a coffee shop in Lubbock, Texas, and I'd liked Autumn, 
But Autumn was super cool, okay? She was the one that uh, Strap used to call her. John Strap is on the college minister at First Lubbock. Uh, used to call, he called me after we got together. He called me king of the man flies. He said, you got all these boys buzzing around. And he said, you, uh, you're the king of the man flies, Zach. He goes, you're the one that finally got her. And so in that illusion, I think Autumn is poop. But all that to say, just a very interesting. <laughs> so <laughs> this particular day, I'd been hanging around, but there were a lot of guys hanging around. And we're sitting at a coffee shop, Daybreak Coffee Shop in Lubbock, Texas, and Autumn and a dude named Shane Kammerer, our dear friend and, and one of our waterfront board members, is on the other side. The two of them are sitting in the booth. I'm sitting on the other side, and Shane is talking about some deep theology. I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer that day. He's talking about real deep theology. And I remember he's just talking and talking, and then all of a sudden, while he's talking, I feel this kick in my gut, like the day I was saved. I feel this kick in my gut, like the day that I was baptized. I feel this kick in my gut, like the way God's called me to church plant. And I'm telling you, that kick, and then the idea drops in my head, you should ask her out on a date today. And I go, God, no, no. What if she says no? What if I'm humiliated? And because Shane keeps talking and won't shut up, I can have a full conversation with God. And so anyway, <laughs> got one of those. I'm sitting there, and in that moment, I can feel it. I am supposed to do this right now. I'm supposed to do this today. And I know in my heart of hearts that that's what the Lord's saying to me. So finally, when Shane stops talking, we get up to walk out, and the Lord knew I was going to need all the help I could get. So in Lubbock, it rarely snows, and usually there's a massive headwind in Lubbock, just constantly. 40-mile-an-hour headwind is a pretty regular deal for us. And I remember that particular day, I walk out front, and it starts to snow. I mean, it was like a movie. The snow starts to come down. There's no wind. It was just beautiful and perfect. And Shane walks out ahead. Autumn's right in front of me, and I walk up, and I go, um... Would you do me the honor of going? I mean, it was so bad, guys. It was so bad. I was like, would you do me the honor of going on a date with me? And Autumn did her big signature smile, grins ear to ear. And she said, I'd really like that. She then has this little gold Ford Ranger pickup truck, uh, single cab. And she walks over to the truck. She's smiling, gets in the car, and she drives off. And the rest is history. Four kids, a church plant in D.C., she is the ministry partner of ministry partners. We have the best time together, and God had so much good waiting on the other side. The second half of that story is there was another suitor. This dude was bigger and stronger than I was. He played strong safety for Baylor University, okay? He was a big, tough dude, also incredibly godly. Made it even worse, right? Before I ask Autumn out, there was a night where we were playing spades together. I asked Autumn if she wanted to play, and she went and got this guy as her partner to play with. This is just a few weeks before this, this day happened. And I remember Autumn gets this guy as her partner, and they're playing footsies under the table doing signals for the game, which was bad enough that she was playing footsies with another guy. They were cheating, and that made me even angrier. <laughs> Three days after I asked Autumn out on the date, this dude calls. Three years, Autumn's been waiting for this guy to ask her out. He calls her and says, hey, you know, we've been beating around the bush on this for a long time. He goes, you want to go out on a date? Finally make this thing official? Autumn then says, you know, you waited too long. She said, Zach Grandles asked me out on a date three days ago. And she said, I'd kind of like to see where it goes. Now listen to me. He was a man of character. 
He said at the end, he goes, well, then I'm not going to call you again. He said, I respect his act. He said, I'll let you see where this goes. But he said, it really could have been fun. If I had waited three days later, my blessing would have been someone else's or at least delayed for a time because I know she would have said yes if this guy had asked her first. Now listen to me. When the Spirit speaks, it's specific to you and you know that it's not just a chance, that it's not just a roll of the dice. He has spoken to you and we are to obey. That's the last part of this study. Are you ready? By the way, it, uh, it, uh, it begs the question, have you experienced a gentle whisper? Have you experienced a gentle whisper, a word, a dream, a concept, an image, a meeting, a conversation, something that you know was deeper than just something that was chance, something that truly was, was, uh, was earth-shaking, something that was for you? Now look at the last verse, and we'll call it a day. Acts chapter 16, verse 10. It says, so after Paul had seen the vision... It says, we got ready at once. Underline, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. And then I want you to circle and highlight this next word, concluding. Circle, highlight, and underline that. Really make sure that you identify that. Concluding that God, the Father, had called us to preach the gospel to them. Stop right there for just a minute. The reason that word concluding is so important is because they still didn't know with certainty if they were doing the right thing or not. How powerful is that? When the Holy Spirit speaks and says, wait, I'm telling you, you sit there and you go, Lord, I'm trusting you, but I'm having faith that this is what you're telling me to do, to hold in position. Then when the Spirit speaks, you can feel it in your gut that this was something that was specifically for you, offering you wisdom and direction. And then when God says move, even the apostle Paul still didn't know with certainty that this is exactly what he was supposed to do, but he concludes, I've got to get moving in the right direction because this wasn't for nothing. Something has spoken to me and I've got to follow through with that thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. What directions are given to us by the Holy Spirit? Wait, listen, and number three is move. Move at once. My pastor in Grapevine used to say this often, obey the Spirit promptly. When God says move, you move. When God says go, you go. Even if you don't fully understand what it is that you're supposed to do, they concluded that God had called them to go there and to preach the gospel. If you're taking notes, a little quote here for you. Faith is the key element in discerning the will of God and in proceeding with urgency. Faith is the key element in discerning the will of God and in proceeding with urgency. There's some of you that believe that a word from the Holy Spirit is going to be a turn-by-turn GPS roadmap that God gives you. God's not going to do it that way. Do you know why? Because it eliminates the need for faith. It eliminates you believing without seeing that the Lord is the one guiding you and directing you. He's going to give you just enough to nudge you in the right direction He's going to give you just enough to show you where to go, what to do, and then you've still got to trust him in the journey. In the same way he's nudged you this way before, he will nudge you another way when it's time to go in that opposite direction, but you've got to be willing to move quickly. So back in the day when I worked at the finest restaurant in America, Red Lobster, all right? When I worked at Red Lobster, my main boss was a guy uh, named Robert Harrington, But our big boss, the Oklahoma regional director, was a dude named Tony Morales. And so Tony had this big, thick mustache. It was impressive. It was like a Stalin mustache. had this big, thick black mustache. And uh, I remember Tony, uh, because uh, he would come in and was just this, he was a really 
a, fit, a thin, tr- a fit guy, uh, but I'm telling you, he just had this big personality. And I remember we all called him Fat Tony because he was the mob boss, right? You know, he was the one in charge. And so Robert Harrington would always tell us when Tony comes in, he said, remember, if Tony tells you to do something, you do it right then and right now. And one of the servers raised her hand at one point. And she goes, well, what if I'm slammed? You know, what if I've got a whole bunch of stuff to do? What if I've got a bunch of tables to wait on? Robert looked and he said, Tony knows that. He's been in the business a long time. He sees the big picture. And if he tells you to drop everything and do something, you drop everything and you do it right then. Tony also had kind of this way that he would deal. He would always be real nice uh, to the people who worked in the kitchen, to the men and women in the kitchen, because he was trying to stir camaraderie. A lot of times, camaraderie in the kitchen was tough to come by. And he was real hard and nitpicky on the servers, because for us, we needed to kick in gear. We were prima donnas that a lot of times needed to kick in gear. Some of you understand restaurant work and, and kind of see how that works. So I'll never forget, he comes in, he's barking orders, and there was one point where he looked at me, and I was so slammed at so many things to do, and he stopped and he goes, Zach, go clean out the freezer. And I said, ah, but I've got to. He goes, Zach, go clean out the freezer. I won't ask again. And at that point, I remember what Robert had said, dropped my trays, and I went in, cleaned out the freezer, and then I came back outside, and Tony had made my salads to get out for me. He'd made uh, the drinks that I had to put out for my drink orders. He had taken care of all those different things. And he said, if you just trust me, I'll take care of you. Now listen, it's a lot the same way when it comes to Almighty God. He looks at us and says, I know it doesn't seem like you've asked me for your life's direction, for your life's purpose, for what to do at work, for who to share your faith with, for who it is that that you should spend time with, who you should marry. And I'm telling you, we're looking at God saying, I need your direction on those things. I need your wisdom on those things. And all of a sudden, God tells us to do something we think is mundane. I'm telling you, if we'll start to say yes to those things, you will look behind you and God will make you into who he created you to be. But you got to be willing to say yes. Sometimes one simple move can stir the spirit to do all sorts of amazing things. It begs the question, is there something that you need to do at once? Is there something that you need to do at once? One last little story and we'll close. One of these moments happened for me. I've told you this story before, but it's a good one. One of these moments happened for me. You know, we almost came to plant the church here in D.C. in 2010, I had just left the job at First Baptist Church in Wichita Falls, Texas, and we had an off-ramp where we were trying to figure out, we knew we were supposed to come here and plant the church, but the Lord gave us the word through the Holy Spirit, wait, not yet, it's not the time. All of a sudden, I get offered a job in Lubbock, Texas, and I didn't want to take it because I knew we were supposed to come here and plant in D.C. again, but the word from God was to wait. We're waiting in that. We're hearing that for the time, this is not for us. And I remember being so frustrated. And one of my friends invited me to come to Victory Life Baptist Church in Lubbock, Texas. He said, we need a discipleship pastor. But he said, just come to one of the church services. Just come see it. I remember I get there that day, and the head pastor gets up to speak, and he makes the announcement from the pulpit. There's a young man here with a heart for Washington, D.C., And he says from the pulpit, let's pray for him today. Well, he's trying to get me to take the job. He's trying to to build me up and get me to take the job. But the Holy Spirit began to move. I could tell that we were supposed to take the job there. And then a crazy reaffirmation happened. At the end of the service, an older man with a little white mustache, his name's David Godfrey. David Godfrey comes up afterwards and he goes, hey, uh, who's the young man with a heart for D.C.? He said, I live in D.C. He said, this is my first Sunday here at the church. 
He said, my wife just took a job at Texas Tech University. He said, who's the young man? He said, our, it's both of our first days today. I could feel in my gut that that was not a chance coincidence that the Lord had put it together. David would end up being one of our first waterfront board members. I go to meet with him. And while we're sitting down at the meeting, I present the, the message on how the church has come together. I present to him what I think is, again, the vision for the church. And I remember him sitting there across the table, and he's got his arms crossed. And every now and again, he'd kind of work his mustache just a little bit. And he'd sit there, and he was looking at me. And I remember at the end of it, I didn't know what his role was going to be. I just felt like there was something. I said, so what do you think? What do you think? And typical to David, he sits there stoic. He looks at me, squints his eyes, and he goes, that's a really great story. He goes, let me tell you about Slovakia. And I remember American education had failed me. I go, Czechoslovakia? And he goes, no, no, they're two countries, all right? Czech Republic and Slovakia. He said, the Lord's really at work in Slovakia. I said, okay. I said, I, I just told you about D.C. He said, I think the Lord wants you to come and help with what we're doing in Slovakia. I remember this was so weird. I feel that same kick in my gut that I'm supposed to help. He tells me about the ministry in Slovakia. I go home, and my wife says, first thing, she goes, did he invest in the ministry? Or we have a partner that's going in with us to plant the church in D.C.? I go, no, he told me about a mission in Slovakia. She goes, Czechoslovakia? <laughs> I said, no, they're two countries. <laughs> we go and we do mission work in Slovakia. You realize we've been doing more than a decade of ministry in Slovakia. Before the pandemic, we had three mission trips that we did out there in one summer. And I'm proud to get to announce to you in 2022, through the efforts that have been taking place in Slovakia, Waterfront Church's first international church that we're going to be assisting in planting. There's going to be a church planted in Prague. And I'm telling you, we are so excited to get to be a part of that. We'll talk more about that tonight at the, mission, at, the, uh, at the ministry banquet. But guys, I'm telling you, the Lord is at work. Catch this. 2010, let me tell you about D.C., Spirit says, wait. Let me tell you about Slovakia. The Spirit kicks. Lord, how could that even be something? I'm trying to get your vision off the ground with the church plant. But the Lord knew. The Lord knew that that relationship would start. David would end up being a board member with us and such an integral part. The reason that we have the, the space across the way, the old DCB Fit Shop that was our overflow venue, that's now our kids' space. The reason we have that was because of a conversation he and I had at Gordon Biersch back when it was still open up here on the street next to us. I'm telling you, the Lord would stir in such power ways, but I think back to that meeting and I think back about how if I had said no, maybe this church in Prague doesn't get planted in 2022. You see, the Spirit gives you just enough to nudge you in the right direction. And then with who God's made you to be, you will know what to do. Is God calling you to get moving today? All these big dreams that you have, all these amazing ideas that the Spirit's placed in your head, but there's one thing you can do today. What is that thing? And is it time you say yes? For some of you, you may need to like stand up right now and walk out before we even do our time of reflection. Like you can feel it. I need to obey. I know what I need to do. None of us would see that as anything bad. I, I won't take offense. You just get out and you go do it, all right? Obey the Spirit promptly. God's got something in store for you and it is very important that we do it quickly. Y'all ready? Thanks for listening today. Let's bow our heads for prayer.